our teaching series. Uh, now, as a church, we, we pattern ourselves after the model of church leadership that we see in the New Testament. So we have elders and deacons, and it's the elders that are, are charged with the responsibility of, of teaching and laying down the, the doctrine and the beliefs of the church. And they're the ones who do the majority of teaching in churches. However, the Bible also says if you've got a gift of leadership or if you've got a gift of administrating or teaching, you should use it as well to instruct people. And so as a church, we don't you know, we, we like to encourage people to use their gifts as much as we can. We want to receive people's gifts, be strengthened by one another. And today I'm thrilled to say we've got Polly who's going to be seeing off our series. Um, she's going to speak on Galatians 6, 1 to 6, and then I'm going to just share a few thoughts to conclude before we break bread this morning. Um, so in a moment we can welcome her, but for now I'd like to read the whole of Galatians chapter 6 to us um, to set the scene of what Paul's been saying, and then Polly's going to preach God's word to us from that chapter. This is what Paul says. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression or sin, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised and do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. Far, But far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the whole Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. All right, let's welcome Polly as she comes to speak. Let's give it up for Polly. Good morning. Morning. Um, so yes, I am continuing our series on Galatians, in fact, finishing it. Um, and Galatians is a book um, in the New Testament of the Bible, so the second half, and it is a letter written by a guy called Paul to the churches in a place called Galatia. Um, Paul in this letter is talking to a church, he's talking to Christians. So if you're not a Christian here today, um, you'll probably still agree with us that at times the church can be a bit of a mess. Um, and that is exactly what Paul is saying in this letter. He's saying, you're a mess. And actually, he tells us some things to help sort us out. 
Um, the letter was written around about 45 AD. And um, as Jez just read the last chapter, uh, chapter 6, we're going to be thinking about those first six verses in that chapter. And over the last couple of weeks, we've heard um, Jez do this series, and he's been talking a lot about freedom. And he's spoken to us about what we're freed from and what we're freed for. And this chapter actually carries on that theme of freedom. And um, Paul teaches us how we are to use this freedom we are given when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we keep using this word freedom, um, and you know, freedom is a noun, but actually, in the context of this chapter, we're going to be talking about freedom as a verb, an action word, um, something that we have to do, because we're not freed from our sin just for our own sake. We're actually freed um, so that we can love and serve other people. Um, so yeah, Galatians 6 tells us a bit, a bit about how we can do that, and it tells us how to watch out for our neighbours. Um, so it teaches us a new kind of neighbourhood watch. Now, neighbourhood watch has all sorts of associations with it. Some of you in here might be part of one or have been part of one before. Um, for me, I grew up in a small town in Hertfordshire called Berkhamsted. And it is a very pleasant little town. It's got lots of cafes and independent gift shops. It's got a Waitrose and an M&S um, and a canal that runs through the middle of it. So it's worth a holiday. You know, it's, it's very pleasant. Um, I remember when Martin came to visit for the first time, he was quite bemused by us all um, and our quaint, slightly snobby little ways in Berkhamsted. Um, <laughs> and I remember the front page news um, one day um, when a car on my road had got keyed. And cars in Berkhamsted don't get keyed. So there was a big spread on the Berkhamsted Gazette all about this. As you can imagine, Neighbourhood Watch didn't have a lot to look out for. In fact, there's only one place I can remember seeing the stickers on the windows, and that was Ashlyn's Estate. And I had to walk <laughs> through Ashlyn's Estate to get to school every day. And um, I even had one of my best friends lived on the estate. And I remember the embarrassment when she was asked her address, and she'd have to say, oh, it's on Ashlyn's Estate. Um, because that estate needed neighbourhood watch. It needed twitching curtains and looking over the fences um, and you know, a steering wheel lock on your car as well. And I imagine if you wanted to catch anybody up to no good, or if you wanted to get up to no good, Ashton's estate was the place to be. Now, the neighbourhood watch that Paul's proposing is a different kind of neighbourhood watch. Um, maybe it's more of a family watch. That could be a better word for it. He's not suggesting we spy on each other and try to catch each other out. He's not suggesting that we judge each other. Instead, what he encourages us to do is use our freedom to challenge each other um, and to use our freedom to care for other people. This is the kind of neighbourhood watch that Jesus is teaching us about. So, if we are to create this new neighbourhood watch, it means we have to take daily risks. We need to follow Jesus and it can be risky. Our newfound freedom doesn't promise to make things easy. Actually, the easy thing would be to cocoon ourselves in our own little lives um, and just settle for um, very passive, fruitless lives. But no, our new neighbourhood watch, um, or family watch, should include, as verse 1 says in chapter 6, and it says this, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. We are instructed to restore each other, not to judge each other. Rather, we are to look out for each other. So if we see a brother or sister caught in sin, 
may be stuck in a bad habit, may be caught in an unhelpful relationship, then we are to approach them and help draw them back to God. If you're anything like me, that is the last thing you ever want to do. I recently did a personality test, and it gives you your top five strengths as a person. Um, so it tells you things like uh, maybe you've got a love for learning, maybe you actively approach new circumstances. Um, for me, my top strength is called harmony. Let me read you some of the things it says about a person with harmony as a top strength. Harmony. You look for areas of agreement. In your view, there is little to be gained from conflict and friction, so you hold them to a minimum. In your view, we are all in the same boat, and we need this boat to get where we are going. It is a good boat. There is no need to rock it just to show that you can. So for some of us, we avoid conflict at all costs. Mm. Having those conversations of challenging each other, which can be potentially a bit awkward, is actually really difficult. And the view of society would probably agree with us, you know, just respect each other, let each other do as they please. Um, but I read a quite a thought-provoking quote recently from a guy called Phil Moore, um, and it says, what we call respect, the Holy Spirit calls lack of love. Because it's actually in love and with the power and freedom given to us by the Holy Spirit that we can restore others gently. If you think about your yearly goals, New Year's resolutions are coming up. I love setting new goals and resolutions. That was another strength in my top <laughs> strengths. And, um, you know, if, you're, if you know Jesus yourself, how many of us each year say, do you know what, I just want to know him more this year. I want to walk closer with him this year. I want to hear his voice clearer this year. And if we want that for ourselves, don't we also want that for our neighbours as well? And that's why we can't leave each other caught up in sin. Jesus tells us in Luke 15 that God is like a shepherd who goes looking for lost sheep, like a woman who searches her house for a lost coin, and like a father who runs to greet his lost son. So we shouldn't really be surprised when the Holy Spirit wants to use us to use our freedom to seek out sinners and draw them gently back to God. Now, I'm not an expert on my friends and my neighbours, only God is. So actually, when I approach people, I'm not assuming to know their full story. We don't know each other's motives. And when we remember that, it can help us walk with compassion towards each other instead of judgment. After all, God fully knows us, and um, he didn't reject us, did he? So how much more should we not reject our neighbours, um, but be willing to restore them when we only know them in part? I'm sure you can relate that when I'm corrected, um, the first thing I probably say is, well, they're mistaken, because my pride is hurt a little bit. And if they really knew me, they'd know not to find fault there. They don't know what's going on. They don't know my motives. Now, thankfully, um, I have a God who doesn't let me stay in that place of denial. And, um, and I'm reminded that he does know me fully. God knows all the motives of my heart, all the thoughts in my head. So although I'm not an expert on my neighbor, my neighbours aren't experts on me. God most definitely is. And so when we receive correction from each other, let's not be um, too quick to our own defence. Let's listen to each other and ask God to show us and to shape our hearts into the way he wants us to be. So our new neighbourhood watch involves challenging each other 
And a second instruction in our neighborhood watch is to care for each other. Verse 2 says, to carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. This can seem like a bit of a contradiction because later on in verse 5, it says we should carry our own loads. So which is it? Do we carry our own? Do we carry each other's? Or do we split it 50-50? And it's important this part to distinguish, b- distinguish between the words burden and load. Because our load, as described here, is the cargo that we have to bring along with us every day. You know, it's our jobs, it's our everyday health, it's our children, and it's our relationships. It's not the same as a burden. A burden in verse 2, which we're to share, are the things that come into life and just knock you sideways. It's a heavy weight which you have to bear for a certain time. So we're to carry our own load, but we're to share our burdens with each other. Now, for many of us, simply carrying our own loads is quite enough to do in any given day. A big part of my load at the moment is having two small children. Now, God and I have had a lot of chats over the last few months about how to manage this load. Um, And I find it quite enough, to be honest, to cater for Joel and Adam's needs every day without thinking about somebody else's burden on top of that. And I've noticed that since motherhood, I've actually become more and more inward-looking because of this. I've been focusing on my own little tribe. Now, of course, you might say, well, you know, I'm a mum at the moment. This is my stage of life. This is my role. This is just what I have to do at the moment. But actually, you know, I've learned that there's something unhealthy about being so caught up in your own load that you don't participate in your neighbourhood watch and you don't look out for those around you couple of weeks ago I was able to escape from my load and get to the prayer meeting that we have fortnightly Um, and you know even just stepping into the room was just so refreshing and I realized how much I'd missed attending them Um, just being able to be with with our own family with our own neighborhood was so uplifting Um, being able to pray together and talk with each other and I went home and I said oh Mark we need to get you know we need to pay a babysitter to come every fortnight so we can both go to these meetings Some of you might not have ever been to one of our prayer meetings, and I would just encourage you to come along next time. Um, It's not an hour and a half of solid praying, which is really scary. Um, Do you know, it's time just to be together, um, and it gets you into the neighborhood watch. You can watch out for each other. People are watching out for you, um, and it just builds our community as a church. So the Bible says to carry each other's burdens. Do you know, it doesn't say... Those of you who've got no other commitments and have got a bit of spare time, well, you can come and help carry someone's burden. Because everybody's loads are different. We know everybody's lives look different. But we're all given these same instructions. And sometimes we can get a bit carried away with how heavy our daily load feels. And we can compare it to other people's load. Um, You know, their load might look easier. Um, well, if I had their load, well, sure, I'd, then I'd be able to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, one of Jesus' disciples um, called Peter, he felt the same. And um, at the end of a book called John in the Bible, the very last chapter, um, Jesus is talking to Peter. He's having a one-on-one conversation, and Jesus is saying, look, Peter, so this is going to happen. This isn't good. It's going to be tough. Um, you know, it was quite a serious conversation, and Peter should be paying attention to Jesus He knows who Jesus is, so, you know, he knows he's worth listening to. Um, But Peter gets distracted um, as one of the other disciples walks by, and John walks by. And um, 
Instead of listening to Jesus, Peter says, well, what about him? And you can imagine him thinking, well, hold on a minute, you're saying this is going to be my load. What about his load? Has he got the same thing coming? Has he got this easier? And I can just imagine Jesus, um, maybe like a frustrated primary school teacher like myself sometimes, and you're going, focus, listen, and focus on what I'm saying. Um, you know, John's load isn't easier, it's not harder, it's not more special than your load. Um, but listen to me. And can't we all be similar to Peter in that situation? But I think Jesus would say the same to us. I think he'd say, stop thinking, comparing other people's loads and imagining what you could or couldn't do. But actually, keep your eyes on Jesus. By all means, gain wisdom and prayer because loads are difficult, but keep your eyes on Jesus. Martin and I were talking about this the other day and how do we keep being a part of the church family here, a part of the neighbourhood? Um, when actually our, our load at the moment is naps and nappies and planning lessons and marking books. Um, and for us, we were having this discussion, we said, you know what, we miss having people around to our house, either for dinner or just to come and hang out. And we used to do it loads before having kids and then, then we had kids. Um, <laughs> and, and we really miss it. We said, you know, we need to do that more because that keeps us part of our church community and our family here. Um, so we are hoping and presuming that when you come round, you are going to ignore the smells of potty training <laughs> and the piles of paperwork that surround teaching. But what does it look like for you? How do you remain or become part of our neighbourhood watch here amongst the load that you're carrying daily? Perhaps if you work really long hours in the week, Sunday might be the only chance you get to come and be a part of our family. And for you, Sunday is going to be so important to connect with people and to get talking to people. It might be the evenings are difficult for you. Not everyone can get out in the evening. So for you, perhaps join one of our daytime groups. We've got daytime life groups and other groups that you can join that don't meet in the evening. For some people, their load is actually meeting new people, and that's really difficult. For some people, they don't like to be in big groups and to socialise in that way. And you know, as a church, we've got smaller groups that you can be a part of as well. The main thing, whatever it is, the main thing is that your daily load doesn't stop you from being part of the community that each of us need. And it is when we step out of our loads that we're able to help somebody else with their burden. And when we do that, it can get a bit messy. Because can you ever actually really help someone carry a burden without part of it falling onto you? Maybe that's why we sometimes avoid really burdened people. For example, if I had a really, really heavy weight here that I had to lift, and I'm trying to lift it off the ground, it's a burden, I'm really struggling. Um, but for this period of time, I've got to lift this weight. And some of my friends, my neighbours, they might see me struggling with it, and they might give me some suggestions. Polly, try lifting it this way round, or try this lever mechanism, so we'll help you lift it. And that's helpful, but it's still on the floor, and I still can't lift it. And then maybe a friend sees me struggling with it and they text me and they say, do you know, I can see you're really struggling with that burden at the moment. I'm praying for you and I'm thinking of you um, and, you know, my thoughts are with you. And that's really helpful and that might encourage me to keep trying and not to give up and it's great to receive texts. But actually this burden, this weight is still on the floor. And then what if someone comes along and actually they take the other end of it and they lift it up with me? you know they're helping me carry this burden they've not taken it all from me 
They've not given it all back to me, but they're definitely carrying some of it themselves. And when we help each other with each other's burdens, we do end up carrying part of our friend's burden ourselves. It's got to be practical. Um, you've got to get a bit messy. I was talking to my mum and dad recently, and my mum was telling me about when her neighbourhood watch stepped in and really helped them. They um, had four children, so I'm the youngest of four. Um, and just after I was born, a few weeks after I was born, their second born, Sam, was taken to hospital. Um, and he stayed there until he died. And um, do you know, they had three other children. So they had one child in hospital and three others, and I was so young. And their neighbourhood watch just rallied round them. And I text my mum and said, do you mind if I share this with the church? Because it's such a good example of a neighbourhood watch looking out for a family. Um, and my mum said, you know, absolutely, I don't know how we'd have done it without them. And some people just did really practical help. They went round and they would sterilise bottles. They'd get nappies ready. They'd get children's clothes out. Other people were a taxi driver for my, for my mum. She didn't drive, so they would take her to and from the hospital every day. And some families even just had us three girls to stay with them. Usually they were people who had their own loads. They had you know, children of their own. One of my parents' closest friends had three children, and so they would then take us three into their home as well. Um, I remember my mum saying that my Moses basket was just plonked between two chairs because they just made do. Um, and they would do school runs, um, cook dinner for us. And that is a neighbourhood watch, isn't it? That is looking out for each other. Um, other examples, um, you know, might be someone loses their job. That is a burden that can knock somebody sideways and we need to be watching and looking out for each other. If someone's relationship breaks down, that is a burden for that person to bear, especially for that period of time. We need to be watching and looking out for each other. It's worth noting that it's not a neighbourhood notification or a neighbourhood notice board. It's called a neighbourhood watch. Many of us are part of Facebook notice boards um, where you get little pings and notifications when things are happening on them. And we've all walked past the, um, the boards outside news agents and probably not read anything, but you see all the notices on there as well. And we know, don't we, that in life, we're not always going to get notified when something happens. When a burden hits somebody and knocks them sideways, we're not always going to get that ding or that new notice come up, which is why we need to be watching each other. It's why we need to be part of this community so that we can see what is happening. And you can almost guarantee the people that find it the most difficult to share their burdens are going to be the ones that wouldn't have put it on a notice board anyway. But in building community and knowing each other, then we'll know the people. We'll be able to see when things aren't going as they were. You know, just as we said earlier that gently restoring a brother or sister can be scary, so can sharing your burdens with someone else. It's personal, isn't it? And it can be quite frightening to share that with somebody. But when we break through those fears, using the freedom that the Holy Spirit gives us, we can build an incredible church. When I was at that prayer meeting, a lot happened in this prayer meeting, I think because God was like, right, you're here. <laughs> Let's just do everything in one go. And um, Russ shared a word. And it was about, he said, you know, there's someone here, there's some people here who just need to come and step into God's presence and just be with him and be really authentic with each other. And I knew, I was like, oh, God is speaking to me. I know that's for me. I know I've got to cry in public now and I've got to be authentic and real with people. And um, then, you know, John said, right, break into smaller groups and let's do that. Let's share with each other and be authentic with each other. And I was going, okay, I can do it. 
come on, let's do this. So I turned to my, in my small group, and I made sure I was the very first one to speak. Um, and I said, so who's got pr- who needs prayer? Who's got a burden to share? And that is my natural default. I didn't leave a minute's silence for anybody to ask me if I needed prayer um, or to even open my mouth to say anything that wasn't, okay, what else can we do for you? What could we do here? And the people that were in my group are smiling now, remembering that conversation. Um, Because it is a bit scary to be authentic and vulnerable, but actually we are to share each other's burdens. I teach a class of nine and ten-year-olds, and they share their burdens all day long with me. You know, they've got, they're not even petty ones, you know, they've got so much going on in their lives. They need a lot of nurture and love, and, you know, they're nine, ten years old, and I just wonder, at what point do we stop doing that? At what point do we start thinking, okay, it's my burden, I better carry this, because they're not interested, or they've got their own things going on. But no, the Bible says, yeah, carry your own load, but share your burdens with each other. So let's make space in our lives to do this. If cooking is your thing, it's not really my thing, but if it's your thing, cook bigger dinners for other people to serve them. When a burden comes, we don't get a lot of notice usually. You know, if somebody needs real support and real help, it can be, you know, in a moment. For me, actually, it's often about not packing my diary so full of things that there's no space left. So if I get a call from a friend in need and I'm going, ah, okay, how am I going to fit in to see them? I need to leave space for that. For some of us, it's about getting good sleep, you know, getting good rest, so that if a friend is in need, you've got the energy to serve them. Let's challenge each other, be bold and gentle at the same time. I text Jez at the beginning of writing this preach, and I text him and said, I've just written two pages and I've deleted them all, because it was so boring to write, it'd be really boring to listen to, and it's a ridiculous idea, the whole thing. And Jez texts me back, and he's really helpful, and he said... You know, when he's writing preachers and he thinks it's feeling a bit dull, it's usually because there's not enough of the light of the gospel in it. And the same applies when we're restoring each other and when we're helping and caring for each other. If we just come with a list of things to do or a list of instructions, then no one's going to want to listen. But if we approach each other with the gospel and we remember how much Jesus has done for that person and how much Jesus wants that person then they're going to listen to you because the gospel is in it. Now, I know lots of people here are already living out this freedom from the Holy Spirit to restore each other and to care for each other. So let's continue to build that kind of church. Let's not grow weary of that. And, you know, when Paul was talking about it here, he was talking to a really dysfunctional church. Um, It was competitive. There were lots of things being added to the gospel Um, to make people feel inferior. They were comparing people's spirituality. And thankfully, we are not part of a church like that. Um, We can still listen to these instructions, and by all means, we can still build on them, but we are not the same as the church Paul was writing to. In fact, if we just think about our church, and it started about seven and a half years ago here in Seaford, and it was mainly people from Eastbourne coming over, and they were giving their time to help build this church. They'd said, you know what, we're going to give six months to build a church in Seaford. And seven years on, actually, they've all been able to, most of them, be able to go back and go back to Eastbourne Church because we can now hold our own in Seaford, and we're mainly Seaford and New Haven. Think about all the baptisms we've had since we started. Think about all the new friends that we've made, all the new faces we can see here today. We have grown massively as a church. And despite all we've seen God do here in Seaford, church can be really tough to love sometimes, can't it? 
you ever get those Sundays where you just have to really push yourself to go to church? Or maybe you just don't bother. Well, I'm sure we've all been there. And um, I find myself in this situation sometimes too. I remember when Martin and I were dating and um, engagement was on the cards. You know, I hoped it was on the cards, and it was, thankfully. Um, and I remember Martin, I remember this phone call so clearly. We were both part of King's Eastbourne. And um, Martin was aware on a conference, and he rang me up, and he said, oh, God has just told me all about um, going to Seaford, and he wants, he wants me to go there and plant this church. It's going to be amazing. He was so inspired. He just had an amazing conversation with God. And I was on the other end of this phone, and we hung up. And you know, I could have just cried, because I thought, well, where's my invite to go to Seaford? Do I just tag along? And um, I was just really uninspired, and I thought, well, it's our first year of married life. Can't we just keep it easy? Can't we just stay in Eastbourne for a bit? And... Mm. Um, but, you know, it's because I didn't love church. I didn't love Seaford. Seaford was nothing. I didn't, I'd never really even been there. Um, and I had to pray really hard. The first couple of years that we moved to Seaford, I had to pray so hard to God and say, God, help me to love the church. Help me to love Seaford. Because on my own, I, I didn't. Um, and I found that the more I actually understood what church was for and what church was about, the easier it is to love the church. Because when you come to church just for yourself, it can be pretty disappointing and it can be boring and you end up not wanting to go again. But when you come to church to serve other people, actually God does some amazing things in yourself. And the more I serve in church, the more, um, well, the easier it is to look out and not in and not get trapped in my own load again. Because if we are just consumers, then it is really boring here. Um, but as I said, when we come to serve others and remember that church is God's idea, it's not our idea. We didn't decide that to meet together regularly and to pray together and to sing praises to him would be a good idea. God told us about this and said, this is a good thing for you to do. And then we can get excited and we can get passionate about it. That's why every week too, we get the youth to serve in a different area of the church. It's not just to help with rotors, it does help, but it's not just to help with that, it's to give them a passion and a love for church because we know when they start serving, they're going to become part of our neighborhood, part of our community, and they're going to love church. I have um, a book on my bookshelf called The Spirit-Filled Church. And whenever I'm doing a sort out and clearing out books, I always leave that one there. I pick it up and I go, oh, it's quite old now. And I th- no, do you know, I've got to leave that on the bookshelf because so often I have to remind myself what church is and how incredible it can be when we are filled with the Spirit and we're ready to serve each other. It sounds like a lot of what I've said is, is a bit of effort, doing these things and looking out for each other, but remember that freedom is actually a verb, and so it should look like a bit of effort when we're serving in our neighbourhood. So we've talked about restoring each other, and we've talked about carrying each other's burdens, but we can only do that because God has first restored us and carried our burdens. Jesus said, my life for yours. And he carried the greatest burden of all, our sin. And in doing that, he restored our relationship to God. And you know, God chose to do that for us while knowing us fully. He didn't mistake you or I for someone who deserves this sacrifice. Because no one's earned Jesus taking their place on the cross. I read recently that God knows the best and worst of each of us. He is neither impressed nor horrified nothing is hidden before him we are within his neighborhood watch we are fully known by him and he restores us by carrying the burden of our sin 
to the cross. Should we pray together? And then I'm going to hand back over to Jez. God, I thank you for the instruction in your word. God, I thank you that your word is alive, that we can read this letter written to a different church many years ago, and we can still apply it to us today. God, I thank you for Seaford Church and all that you've built and are continuing to build here. God, I thank you that you are not finished with us here in Seaford yet. But God, ultimately, we thank you for the cross. God, I thank you that you have restored our relationship to God. Thank you that you carried our biggest burden, the one we really couldn't carry by ourselves. You carried our sin, um, and you took that burden from us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Polly. Fantastic. Well, we're going to respond by breaking bread together as a church. Uh, perhaps John and that can come and join me. I just want to read.